Today's guest is Guy Shahar. Guy is the co-founder of the Tantra Institute of New York. Guy and I go way back. We used to live in an intentional community based on learning sensual and spiritual practices in Brooklyn once upon a time. And Guy went on to teach Tantra and found this institute. And he's also the founder of Tantra Speed Date, which you may have heard of because it was in all the major magazines. At one point, they're in a bazillion cities. It's a good time. I actually forgot that I attended one like a year and a half ago. I forgot because like, uh, well, Guy wasn't there. His partner, Lauren, was running it. It was a good time. So I've done a lot of speed dating in my single years. It was one of the ways I preferred to meet women. But Tantra speed date is something else. It's actually a great way to learn how to connect and meet people. You get to learn stuff and you get to meet cool people. So uh, it's fun catching up with Guy. We speak about masculine feminine stuff a bunch he's like basically he's had a lot of reference experiences with basically educating people in different walks of life on masculine feminine polarity and connection in relationships and it's for single people as well so we're catching up with guy you're listening to episode 063 guy shahar contra institute of new york you're listening to the Rwando Podcast, part of the Gotham Podcast Studio Network in New York, New York. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate it wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, we're live. Kashavar. We're live. Rwando. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, so we used to live together uh, once upon a time. And since then, you've went on to start the Tantra Institute of New York. We've, I mean, we haven't lost touch, but I haven't really seen you much in the last couple of years. Uh, I mean, can you just fill me in on what you've been doing with Tantra Speed Day? I know it's been blowing up all over the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. Well, I know you've been traveling too. So um, I guess we started the Tantra Institute, yeah, just about two years ago. And Tantra Speed Date is one of our sort of like really popular events that we've done. And that's now in 25 cities around the world. And um, yeah, so what have I been busy with? Let's see. I uh, have been working on Tantra Speed Date, improving the ceremony, getting it out to more cities. I probably spent most of 2018 on the road. Uh, traveling from city to city and um well, i guess could you fill me in because like so we were spending a lot of time together when we were studying somewhere else was this 2014 ish something like that and then you went on to study with charles muir uh -huh. who's the first american tantra teacher is that is that accurate um i think i mean certainly one of i mean i uh -huh. think you started teaching tantra in the early 70s uh -huh. teaching yoga before that yeah and he's in his 70s now so yeah he's been teaching it a very long time um yeah so so lauren and i lauren is the co-founder of the tantra institute um whom you know mm -hmm. um and we uh studied extensively with charles we also studied a bunch of other modalities of sensuality and sexuality and then the tantra institute is kind of like this conglomeration of everything mm -hmm. all put together combined with our own sort of experiential practice and like so if we go someplace and we learn something we like to try it make sure it actually works before we tell other people hey this is how things are as opposed to just go to a class learn something and then just tell people hey here's the thing that we learned like we want to try it on and be like okay how how does this really work and and does it work for us can we prove it in our bodies so that's kind of like where we've been and then with Charles we've studied very extensively we did all the all the levels of his tantra training and now he's doing his final level five training so we're going for that in just a couple short weeks um yeah it's been, cool. it's been quite a journey yeah yeah uh, yeah i made it to level one um as you know uh but 
what's it called? Um, what I thought was really interesting about Tantra speed date, and I, mean, I want to talk about your entire school now, but um, I used to go to speed dating a ton when I was single and uninformed in New York City. And it was one of like the best places because you get so many interactions in like a short amount of time. Yes. And like, and actually the, I mean, a lot of people ask me about Tantra and I recommend it to guys, not just because of the teachings and everything, but because for someone who hasn't had a lot of experience interacting with women who can give them feedback, it's one of the best types of communities out there. So I thought the speed date thing was interesting because they probably, I don't know, I haven't been to one yet, but I'd imagine guys for educational purposes and get so much like constructive feedback on how to be as a person. I don't know if yeah. that's true. <clears throat> oh, so you, you haven't attended one before. Okay. No, I, I haven't. I have a feeling that maybe you had, or maybe you were planning to at some point and it, did, did we have you plan to, and then you didn't make it? Or... I don't know. I think I just missed it last time I was in New York or I haven't been in America. I assume you don't have it in Asia yet. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not in Asia. We're in uh, London and, uh, and Canada. That's about mm -hmm. as far as we got so far. Um, although people want us to bring it to Australia, it's a little bit of a long flight. So, um, yeah, no. So the really beautiful thing about the Tantra speed date, and I'm with you, I used to love speed dating for the number of interactions and like kind of how it helps you sort of warm up to talking to women and learning about yourself. And again, getting that sort of reflection from each person like, oh, here's how this person sees me. Here's how that person sees me. With Tantra speed date, um, there is that speed date component to it where you're, into, you're having a brief interaction with someone. And, uh, but the thing is, before we do that, uh, we teach men how to get into a grounded masculine space. And then when they can get into a grounded masculine space, then the women can relax into a feminine space. I, I just realized I had a brain fart. I did actually attend last you time. Did. You weren't there, though. Lauren was facilitating. It was like, well, I haven't been to a Guy Shahar event. I was like, no, I actually have. I'm like, I, I just remember. Sorry. One, one. <laughs> we keep going. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Thought, I thought you did attend. Yeah, before. it was like a year, year plus ago. Anyway. Okay. Well, I, well, if that's the case, it's probably evolved since then. Mm -hmm. Because after every event, I look at all the feedback forms and I kind of look for clues as to like how to, how to improve the event. Um, it's interesting. I had, I had a chat uh, with a woman who attended the very first event that I did uh, uh -huh. in 2017. It was June of 2017. We had the first one. And um, and I told her, you know, you, you should come back again. I, well, she's married now. So it's she's not going to come back again to to that event. But um, but I'm like, if you come back to see it again, like it's totally different. Like so much of it, it's, I mean, it's the same. There's an intro, there's an outro, there's a puja. I mean, the, the, those are the components of the event. But how they're run has really evolved over the years. Um, from how it's been received and the feedback and everything. And, you know, I just ran an event in Austin last weekend and I'm looking at the feedback forms and there was nothing to change. And I was uh -huh. like, because, you know, I've, we've had over 230 Tantra speed dates since we started mm -hmm. it in various cities. I've run 88 of them myself. Uh -huh. uh, I know because I have the data on that. Um, and then, uh, and this last one, I looked at the feedback forms and there was nothing in there to improve. So I was like, uh, you know, and one of my co-facilitators were like, that's awesome. And I'm like, no, it means there's nothing I can improve. I'm looking for something. I want to make it better every single time. Um, and it's gotten really solid. Like it's really solid right now. So, yeah. Uh, so you, threw, you, threw, uh, you mentioned some words, puja and ceremony earlier. Can you just like break down what that means for people who don't know? So a puja is a devotional ceremony, um, and it can happen in many different ways. I mean, you can have a puja of two. Um, the way that it works in Tantra Speed Date is we have two circles. So there's an outside circle comprised of men, and then there's an inner circle comprised of women, and everybody's facing a partner. 
Um, and then you have a two to three minute interaction, sometimes less, sometimes more with the person in front of you. And then you rotate to the next person and to the next person, to the next person. So that's kind of how the, the speed date part of it takes place in what you could call a traditional puja format where there's two concentric circles. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Gotcha. And uh, how did you come up with the idea to translate into this into like a dating setting? Cause like, uh, that by itself is probably not, I mean, basically you took something that's kind of esoteric and made it very applicable to most people. Was it just like a chocolate peanut butter combination by luck? Um, well, it was a combination of a couple things, really. I mean, it was quite a few things. I'd say the two main things that, that led to the creation of this event was one, that I had attended several pujas. And in those pujas, I got to connect very deeply uh, with women. And I felt like, wow, like I feel so connected and they feels, there feels like such an openness here in this puja that we're sharing. Um, and I feel like I'm really connecting with this person. Um, but then after the puja, it felt kind of creepy to ask for a phone number. You know what I'm saying? Like we just shared this sacred thing and, and it's like, you kind of want to ask for the phone number, but it feels weird. Like, like, like for some reason, the sacredness and the, like, for some reason, it just felt weird, you know, like, um, like, why can't you just let that moment be that moment or, and maybe it was just something I was creating. I don't know, but it felt weird. And so, uh, so one element of it was like, well, you know, I really feel like I'm able to connect with women in a way I've never been able to before. Um, and then I want to get to know them better. So why not take that and make that a part of this whole dating thing? We're like, look, it's up front. We're here for dating. We're going to connect in this way. And then if we're a match, then we can discuss how, how we might potentially want to follow up on this connection. So thereby taking the creepy factor out of it. Cause like we are, that's why we're here. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And I like, uh, well, another community you're part of, I know some of the criticisms. Oh, I can't hear you. Can you, uh, do you turn the volume up? Like I'm, I can barely hear you. Wait a second. Here we go. How's this? That's better. Okay. Switch mics. Anyway, I was saying, um, uh, another community we were part of, uh, some of our mutual friends actually criticized down a little bit. Now you're now you're a little distorted. Oh, hold on. Am I normal now? Contra, by the way, everyone. We're making right. adjustments a little to the left, a little to the right. Feedback. I'm a little too slow, slow down for you. Is this is this better? Keep talking. No. Hello. Yeah. Oh, now Bronco. Okay. Good, yeah. Um. What was I saying? Oh yeah. So a lot of the criticism and like kind of sexual connection practices is they, they can get framed as connection, but let's be real, most guys are trying to get laid. And I think there's a little of both in that, but you kind of like put a, put it in a way where both people can, you know, where, where moral honesty can be uh, put forth. And I actually want to talk about that specifically, not like leaving, going into principles, because uh, a lot of guys, I think, are uh, have, a, have trouble being sold on the, on the value of connection. Like, it's like almost like connection is a thing that, you need to accomplish to get sex. Uh, does this come up and how do you, what do you think about that? Hmm. I don't know. I, um, well, so maybe this kind of ties into it. Cause I want to go back to the, the, sure. the way we created the Tantra speed date. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one part of it was like wanting to have this kind of connection in a dating context that I experienced in pujas. The other mm-hmm. part of it is that, um, Lauren and I would start to teach classes on relationship skills. You know, mm-hmm. how do you connect with someone? How, you, how do you have a connection with someone? Um, and what we noticed is not a lot of people would come to our relationship skills class. Um, even though we had great tools that we were sharing, um, sometimes we would get couples that were kind of like on their last leg and they're like, look, we, we've been, 
married for 20 years. It's been sexless, sexless for half of that time. And we're going to come to your class as a last ditch effort. And if this mm. doesn't work, then we're like, like it was, it was pretty bleak. So um, when the whole uh, idea of that's what sort of ignited the idea of the puja. And then I was like, well, what if in every station we taught a little kernel of like one of the exercises that we teach in our classes. Mm-hmm. So that way you're learning something you're learning a skill that's going to help you in any relationship you have. Um, and you're getting to know a person. It's just like a really super efficient way to learn something, really quickly get to know someone and be like, mm-hmm. do we have chemistry? Yes or no. Um, and so those two things really came together to create this. So I guess to answer your question um, in terms of connection, you know, the, uh, the thing I like to say is that, and, and again, this wasn't something I think that I, like I set out to really bring uh, uh, the masculine and feminine together, like in harmony um, mm-hmm. and uh, in this dating context. And I think what I've learned over the years by like reading the feedback forms and just seeing how people re- interact with it is that they seem to get so much benefit out of stepping into these roles. And mm-hmm. what I see happen for men is they come into a place where we show them how to be grounded, how to hold this masculine space. And we show them how to hold space for the feminine. And so what happens is when they step into that uh, role of I'm going to hold space for the feminine, um, the women start to react to them differently. They start to Mm -hmm. respond to them differently. And then there is connection because I think the men learn, oh, when I show up this way, women respond differently to me. Like there's, Mm -hmm. there's, and they can feel the value that they are providing to the feminine as men. And once they get the feeling of what that is and they see, oh, I can actually have real connection here. And maybe they've never experienced real connection before. But mm-hmm. when they experience that real connection in the safety of that role that they can play, um, it shifts something. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, I want to be this way all the time with women. How do I do that? And so something shifts in them where they see uh, what's possible for them, I guess, how they can go deeper. Does that answer yeah. your question? Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's a good point, like to give people the reference experience. Because I've noticed this with um, some guys I speak to who maybe came from Red Pill or like something that's like a very heady attempt at male-female interaction. And they're like, oh, connection's a technique, right? Connection's the technique to get laid. And, and it's hard to, it's like it's colored to a blind man of like, why would someone want connection for the sake of connection? But I guess, uh, yeah, in, in things like you set up, like you give them the experience of, oh, I do this thing. Not only do women respond positively and give me what I was maybe searching for directly or indirectly, but it actually feels good. And then it's like a lot easier to just be rather than go for an ex- extrinsic goal. And it's like the issue for a lot of guys, like they're trying to mold themselves to get a result. Uh-huh. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Which, which is kind of the opposite of Tantra. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you're, if you're trying to get a desired outcome, well, now you're not, you're not as present to what is as you could be because, you know, once you, once you decide, hey, this is this thing that I'm trying to get, then anything that comes your way is like either serving your goal or not serving your goal. And if it's not serving your goal, it gets discarded. So then you're not present to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like, a, it's almost like an act of disrespect to not be yourself because now you're compromising what you really want to do for this other thing. If you don't get it, you feel like crap. If you know, if you buy the flowers, you don't get laid. You're like, fuck, I wasted, I wasted, you know, all that buy or the whatever. You want to buy the flowers. Right. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun to get, get flowers. It's fun to get flowers. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So one thing that is great about Tantra is that actually probably most of my views on masculine and feminine came from the Tantra world. 
Um, but obviously, I mean, a lot of people don't realize that outside of the West or outside of Neo-Tantra is a lot more than just sex stuff. But in the West, like sex is the focus. But on that note, um, sex is one of the few places where you can't like fake uh, ideologies around masculinity and femininity. I mean, uh, there's a lot of um, theories about what men should be like, but if, uh, to your point, if you're in a relationship and she's not responding versus she is responding, that's kind of like how you should be. And um, I'm wondering if this, if you find yourself uh, clashing with cultural ideas around because even like the idea of masculine feminine is kind of becoming taboo to talk about yeah i guess so um because <clears throat> even in, when i was in charles's classes i remember him getting criticized by some of the younger people like oh there's more to that more to dynamics than masculine feminine and i think he i, don't, I forget what he responded with but it's kind of a newer idea well i mean i think at the heart of it uh, what it really comes down to is duality there's duality everywhere. I mean, the, the, the story is that, um, you know, uh, before we're in manifest form, we are part of oneness. And then when we come into the world, we things become split and everything becomes dual. And it's like, there, this whole masculine feminine thing is not a new thing. Um, I mean, everywhere you look, there's duality, positive, negative, uh, active, receptive, yin, yang, masculine, feminine. Um, even the, if you look at the human body, if you look at our brain, there's one side of the brain that's responsible for a certain set of tasks, and there's another part of the brain that's responsible for a separate set of tasks, right? You have the logical and the creative. You could argue that those are the masculine and the feminine. So this idea of duality, of opposites, um, exists everywhere in this world. So for me, um, how wonderful it is that, you know, that I have a penis and she has a vagina. Like how, how boring would it be if we were all the same? I mean, like how wonderful mm -hmm. that we can complement each other in these beautiful ways. And so when people talk about masculine feminine, they're just talking about different roles that we get mm -hmm. to play. Right. Because, you know, as I'm sure you've heard in the, in the Tantra speed date that we say, and you know, this for yourself, um, we all have both masculine and feminine. It doesn't mean matter if you're male or female or identify anywhere on that spectrum. We have both of those qualities, and each of us has them in different supply, um, and we exercise them in different ways. Um, ultimately, they're just roles. And, uh, you know, for me, like the ideal relationship is where, I mean, I tend to be predominantly masculine, like that's sort of my core. Um, and I generally enjoy being with women that are feminine at their core. Um, that doesn't mean that in the relationship, we could take turns. We can switch around. Maybe in this area, you know, it'll be something else. And in that area, you know, we'll, we'll flip it a different way. Like, you know, I mean, I heard you say this on your, on your podcast, the last one, the last one that I heard that it's like everyone plays to their strengths, right? If you're the really good person at laundry, you should do the laundry mm -hmm. rather than someone who sucks at laundry because that's, that's just yeah, that recipe, I suck at right? laundry. <laughs> so, so that's a recipe for resentment. I mean, like, mm -hmm. you know, you let the person, you know, we, when we lived in a community house, if there was a tall person, they would get the thing on the tall shelf because that's their thing. You know, it's, it's how wonderful that we all have different, different strengths and different areas that we excel in and that we can all bring those gifts to the party and share with each other. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. Have you ever gotten pushback, though, on those ideas in your classes or the events? I mean, not so much these days because, like, we, we really find a... Um, we have a way of explaining it 
um, and, uh, and talking a little bit about it. And then, you know, we also teach a masculine and feminine polarity class, which mm-hmm. is a, a lot more involved sort of in-depth uh, dive into uh, what the two polarities are and how they can potentially interact with each other. So there really hasn't been, uh, you know, people in general. And, and I would say in the beginning when we explain, hey, we're going we're gonna to practice uh, playing roles and we're going to ask the men to step in to hold the masculine pole. We're going to ask the women to step in and hold the feminine pole. Um, we explain like that's not the only way to be and you can take turns and swap. But for tonight, that's what we're going to ask is that, you know, mm-hmm. men do this, women do that. Um, and, uh, and even if I think people don't really truly understand it, once they step into those roles and we guide them into the stepping into the roles, they seem to really enjoy it, you know, yeah. women totally open up, you know, I've seen women sort of really totally like melt, um, and, uh, you know, and, and men just feel so, um, like empowered to stand in this brotherhood and be like, wow, look what I can create when I step in to hold this Oh, look at the space that I can create and create that with my brothers. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's such a, a awesome feeling to experience that. Um, you know, so why would you? Well, I mean, I think the blowback is mostly the intellectual thing. When you step into it and you see how it works in, in reality, right. oh, this feels awesome. You know? Yeah. I, I'm guessing you probably don't experience this in your events because if someone is interested enough to show up, they don't, they're not there beyond this point. But I wonder how would you deal with someone who, like a man who, let's just say it's a man who's resistant to be a masculine, or I think there's a lot of women who are resistant to the idea of femininity because maybe culturally it's, it's been framed as weak or unproductive. Like, what do you, how do you address that if you can't give someone the experience? Well, I mean, if, if they're, if they're coming to the event, like you said, then, then, I mean, sometimes they know a little bit about it. Sometimes they don't. I mean, you know, we, we tell people like, we're going to split you up into two circles. There'll be a circle mm-hmm. of men, a circle of women. Um, and then you'll go out on, you know, if you're in the men's circle, you go out on dates with women and vice versa. If you're mm-hmm. in the women's circle, you go out on dates with, with men. Um, and I would say that, you know, throughout the course of the evening with each exercise, with each uh, station that we do, people get to embody it more and more. So I don't know that they're, you know, I, I don't know that I've ever encountered somebody who's really resistant to it. I have mm-hmm. seen people that on occasion didn't want to participate in an exercise or didn't really want to fully participate. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I find is usually by the end of the night, those same people are really enjoying, enjoying themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking in particular one event that I facilitated where I saw, I happened to take notice of one woman in the room and she really wasn't too into like the touch exercises. And you can tell, mm-hmm. you could tell that she was very guarded and she was like, I'm going to stay back here. Like, I don't know how much I want to interact, which is totally fine. Like a really good thing to be aware of is like, how willing are you to actually connect with another person? Right. We talk about that at the, at the beginning of the event. And over time, going from station to station, having these experiences with these men who were holding really good space, as she got towards the end of the ceremony, after a long line of feeling these men that were holding space, she felt more comfortable to engage and particularly engage in touch exercises. And there was a moment in one exercise um, where I literally like felt her melt and felt her, felt her like, oh, wow, this is so awesome to have a man hold space for me. I can let him do this for me now, mm-hmm. right? But she was resistant at first, and it took like man after man after man after man and exercise different because all the exercises are different to get her to a place where she's like, oh, this, 
these these men actually feel really good. Let me see what it looks like when I um, really surrender to what's going on here and let mm-hmm. myself be held. And yeah. I, I saw her have a really, really beautiful experience. And, you know, as a facilitator, when you're watching, you're kind of watching the room and you're like, okay, who's really in it? Who's like not that into it? And so I was watching her because she felt like the most out of it. And I'm, you know, when I'm facilitating, I'm like, who's like the strongest person in the room? Who's the person who's least into this idea? And I kind of watch that range and see how it moves. And then that gives Mm -hmm. me a marker of how the room is moving, like how more connected they're feeling. Mm -hmm. So that was really beautiful to, to see her like let the guard down. Yeah, I think that's one of the beauties of the repetition, because like uh, this is actually a perspective I think I got from Charles Muir, that when you're dating someone, you're also dating every single trauma they picked up from all the assholes they dated or, or whatever. And it's like not just enough to be a solid masculine pull for her to feel comfortable or safe being feminine. You have to kind of make up for the last guy who screwed her over. And like, I think that there's, maybe I'm like over, you know, overvaluing this or making, but like there's something about having 20 experiences in a night, which I think is really great because i remember now I, I don't know why i forgot this but uh there was like an older woman when i went to tantra speed date who it took her like seven times i remember i think i think you had something where you get down on a knee and you say something kind i forget what the words were and she it took a few guys before she actually let it in because yeah. how many guys screwed her over in her lifetime yeah i mean you know we 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 don't know the reason but uh you know everybody has their own story and everybody's got their own struggle and um yeah yeah totally yeah um in your classes uh what kind of things do you do you find is uh or what challenges do you find with men accessing their masculinity because it's kind of well i'll I'll just let you answer um mostly that they're afraid to Mm -hmm. um you know there is so much uh, there are a lot of places where, where there's a lot of shame on the masculine right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you said it yourself when you're like, they're holding up a sign saying men are trash and it's mm-hmm. like, they're mm-hmm. not saying some men are trash. They're just saying men are trash. And there seems to be, uh, at least in some contingents, a movement to sort of bash men, Yeah, uh, which I would agree with you does not seem very helpful. Although there might be women watching this thing going, well, fuck you. You're just two men talking who cares? <laughs> you know, of course they're going to say that, um, you know, but that would be as equally hurtful as saying, you know, women are trash, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just not helpful. Um, so I would say that the most that I've seen is that men are afraid to go there because mm-hmm. there, that seems to be the new target for shame is like masculinity in general. And it's like, most people don't even really know what it is, but they they know that that's not what you want to be because that kind of makes you a target, um, mm-hmm. uh, which which I think is sad for the world. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I'll give you an example. So we have a uh, an exercise in uh, Tantra Speed Date where we hold our hands on each other's hearts. Mm-hmm. So I would have my hand on your heart and you'd have your hand on, on my heart and then my hand would be on your hand and your hand would be on top of my hand. Like mm-hmm. it's a hands on hearts thing. And uh, when we started Tantra Speed Date, the way we would get people into that uh, exercise is we would say, okay, take your right hand, place it on your partner's heart. Now take your left hand and place it on the hand that is on your heart, right? Mm -hmm. That's two moves. It's an easy instruction to follow. It's very efficient. Well, guess what? Right after Me Too happened, we had a Tantra Speed Date. Oh, shit. And in that Tantra Speed Date, I said, okay, put your hand on your partner's heart. And the women would take their hand and place their hand on the man's heart and the man's hand would stay right the fuck here. 
the mm-hmm. guys were like, I'm not putting my hand anywhere near her heart because that's in the vicinity of her breast and I'm not fucking putting my hand anywhere near there. And their hands were frozen. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which was really sad. I mean, we, we, this is a whole other debate about how we've literally lost touch with each other in our cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, in this culture, at least. Like, we're so afraid to touch each other. Uh, and touch is so vital. It's, touch is necessary for, for nourishment, for life. If a baby doesn't get touch, it literally can die, right? Mm-hmm. We need touch, and we're so afraid of it these days. It's it's just going to lead down a rabbit hole of other not fun stuff. Anyway, um, so what we did was we changed it. Uh, we changed the instruction. It's a lot more complicated, but what happens now is um, to participate in the station, you raise your right hand, and then your partner will take your hand and place it mm-hmm. on their heart. Right. Yeah, I remember We're not that. actually they're taking your hand and placing it where it needs to go. So um, it's a little bit more complex to explain. And sometimes people mess it up and we have to. So the efficiency of the exercise is gone. Um, but we realized that after Me Too, men were like, I'm not touching her. No way. Mm-hmm. It's too risky. So, yeah, and I think it's important. I mean, I think these types of workshops, unfortunately for a lot of people are a last resort, maybe because they're embarrassed or it seems weird to the mainstream. But when I, when I'm in a relationship, when I'm in a, in a tantra workshop and I see a, a couple on the rocks, I feel so bad that they didn't come 10 years ago or five years ago. Like it didn't have to be so serious, like a make or break thing, but it's like one of the last places where you can give a guy who's afraid of that stuff, hard evidence that it's okay to be a man. Because all the none of the media says that women actually like it when you are in charge and are confident and willing to touch when you can read that it's okay to touch and stuff. Um, uh, do you have any stories of like couples that turned around or anything like that, or that had a big shift in perspective, um, if anything? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, a couple couples aren't coming to Tantra Speed Day because that's for singles, but right. we we have a class we do uh, every month in New York and just about every month in some other cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, called Intro to Sexual Ecstasy, where we show different exercises and different ways for people to connect. And and it's kind of really the class where where Lauren and I present sort of like our perspective on sex and what it could be. And, you know, we talk about arousal, we talk about desire. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, we're working on a book right now that go, that, we're, that we call the sex agreement. It's in, sex agreements. It's a series of beliefs that we ascribe to that help create a foundation to really connect. Mm-hmm. Sexually. Do you teach sacred spot and stuff like that in we those workshops? Sacred spot, yeah, we do mm-hmm. that as well. Um, uh, that's more in our weekend class. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sacred spot massage and other other practices. Um, so well, I got distracted now thinking about our classes. You're talking about couples. Oh yeah, couples. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Usually that's one of the classes where if couples come, and even if singles come, it's usually we get half and half with that class. Um, that one really kind of opens their mind. Like they kind of get their mind blown a little bit like, Oh, this is what sex could be like. And Oh, this is how, how men and women can relate to each other. And I've always kind of thought that, you know, the content of what we're teaching is great. Like we have some really wonderful exercises and, and people have smiles when they're giving feedback after the exercise. Like you can feel like they're like, they've learned something they've experienced. They felt something in their body that were like, and they've, and, or you've given them something to understand that they've always felt in their body and they didn't know how to explain it or understand the rules of how it functions. And, and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, that makes sense. Cause I go back to my life and I see all those experiences. And now that I have this knowledge, now I understand what was going on. Like they have that, 
that rush of insight. Um, so I would say in that class uh, is probably uh, where we will we see that happen like on a very regular basis. And sometimes I feel like it's not just what we're sharing, it's sort of how we're sharing it. Because Lauren and I are very transparent about our own relationship when we, when we teach the class. And I think that a lot of also what they get is they get to feel uh, Lauren and I interacting together, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I, you know, I, I hold the masculine, she holds the feminine. We're both mm-hmm. very extreme in those poles. So for them to like see us interact, I think adds this extra layer that really takes the, the teachings and like really helps it land because they yeah. can feel it, you know, and we do yeah. some demonstrations and stuff. Have you read General Theory of Love? I haven't, no. Okay, well, like, well, it's like, it's by therapists, but one of the theories in the book is that like uh, what makes a therapist effective is not what they're saying or the exercises, but like they're modeling how to be. And that's actually what people get. And I'm thinking now, I'm thinking specifically of some couples I know. uh, I think the biggest benefit for a Tantra event would be they could see what other couples are doing that is good. (laughs) And like, it's okay for a woman to be soft. It's okay for a man to whatever, you know, and like that is probably bigger than like reading a book on the idea of it. Like they get to see like, oh, Lauren and Guy are happy doing that, you know? Yeah, the, um, you know, and that's how children learn. Children don't learn mm-hmm. by what you say. They te- you template for them how to be mm-hmm. that way and they feel it. And, and that's um, what I would call like a body to body learning. Like my body is near somebody else's body that's doing something. And then once I feel what it's like to be in their presence when they're doing it, I learn it. You know, I had this awesome experience in martial arts 20 years ago in Kung Fu class where I had a buddy I would always train with and he was much more experienced in many different types of martial arts than I was. And every time we would train, he would hit me because he was just faster. And it's like, whatever I did, I just couldn't, couldn't hit him. He was, I mean, I hit him sometimes, but like, he was just, he was just faster. And I'm like, I kept speeding up, but I could never be as fast as he was. And one day we had this, uh, uh, big huge seminar uh and our sifu came came to town and um you did wing chun right yeah uh-huh. so so our sifu came to town and he demonstrated a few things and he picked me for one of the demonstrations which is i mean you know martial arts when the P- sifu picks you to demonstrate you're like this is awesome i'm totally gonna get my ass kicked but it's gonna i'm gonna learn so much right so he um had me demonstrate something where like he was gonna attack me and i had to block so, you know, we did it a few times. And of course, you know, he hit me every single time because um, he was so fast, but he was maybe twice as fast as my buddy was. And when I felt in my body how fast he was, mm-hmm. something inside clicked. And I was like, oh, well, if he can be that fast, I can at least be half as fast. Then I went back immediately to practice with my buddy, the move that mm-hmm. he just showed us, and he couldn't hit me. Hmm. because I had like, you know, template, I felt that in his body, like, he just reacted so instantly that I was like, oh, it was almost like my body was like, he's using his muscles differently, like the, the organizations of the electrical signals sending the commands to the muscles is so efficient in his body, that I could kind of feel that. And I was like, oh, that maybe I'm just working too hard to do something simple, that he just like, has found a way to be really efficient at, and then I was able to do it. And my buddy couldn't hit me. And that took an instant. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think, uh, I think uh, in a game of tennis, they talk about that. Like it's better. I think they use the term filmage. Like if you can see a thing in your mind's eye, you're better at doing it than whatever training exercise. Um, 
was going to ask you something else. Oh yeah, actually, how did you get into all of this? Because I only spent some, I spent like two years hanging out with you. I don't really know what your life was like beforehand, or I guess what you're filling me in afterwards. Like you're an actor, you did a bunch of stuff. Like how did you find like the sensuality stuff? Um, that's a really good question. I mean, <laughs> I ask we myself. Can't, maybe can't go into all of it, but. No, I, I ask myself this question every day because, you know, here I am, you know, running this business and it wasn't like something I decided to do. I just did, you know, it really kind of all started with, oh, well, I mean, I can't really say it all started with one thing or another, but I look around today and I'm like, oh, I'm on this path and this is the path that I'm on. I didn't really choose it. I mean, on some level I chose it, but I didn't plan it. I didn't say, hey, I want to be running this Tantra school that it's in all, it's in all these different cities. Like that wasn't something I wanted. It's just mm-hmm. like, I did one thing and then it led to another thing. And then somebody called up and was like, can you bring your Tantra speed date to Denver? And I'm like, well, I've never been to Denver, but mm-hmm. you know, there's a desire for me to bring it there. Let me follow it. Like, yeah. Cause right before this, you were a CTO for what a tech company. I was a, I was a director of technology. I have a long background uh-huh. uh, as a tech guy, uh-huh. probably 20 years as uh, a tech guy and then during that time i was also uh writing directing and producing films mm-hmm. um, you know before that i was in a rock and roll band and then when i was when i was 19 i founded a literary magazine that still exists to this day it's like 22 uh, years old now uh, um, so i've done a lot of things and they've all been very sort of like different um i don't know how i got into this really like i've always been interested in sex and sensuality and you know, I mean, I tell this story in Intro to Sex about, um, you know, when I was young, um, you know, I had a very feminine interest. It's like I liked poetry. I liked music. Um, I was, you know, in when I was 18, I was kind of like a peace, love hippie. And I had long hair, if you can imagine that. And <laughs> I've I seen pictures. Skinny, and I wore these T-shirts that said, you know, make love, not war. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, and there were some men that told me that I wasn't man enough. And so in my 20s, that was kind of like my whole conquesting phase where I had to prove that I was a man um, and, uh, and started to go out with lots of women. And uh, that was great because I always, uh, I mean, I love women. And, uh, you know, I've always been a very sensual and sexual being. So it, it was a great way to express that. And I had this sort of fuel of like proving to them that, that I was a real man. Um, and that lasted about 10 years. Um, so I was always like really interested in connecting with women and, and being sensual. I always had a really big uh, sexual energy. Um, and, you know, it's like over the years, all the things that I've studied have helped me sort of like harness it and manage it and utilize it and direct it to the things that I want to create in my life. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't know how it all got started. I mean, I, you know, mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, ever since I was a kid, I've always had like this energy. Yeah, um, you know, just yeah. I don't know. I guess I just just go day day by day and whatever feels right in this moment. Huh? You know, what was your what was your leap like from the uh, technology thing to this very different thing? Well, I was I was I was doing uh, and studying tantra uh, while I was still at that job, and mm-hmm. then in 2017 in January I got laid off. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, now what am I going to do? Um, and I was already doing Tantra at the time. And so it's funny because when I got laid off, I was actually thinking, you know, my sort of Tantra lifestyle is growing and I'm having more clients. And I remember thinking, you know, I'm not at the point yet where I can leave my job, but that would be really nice if, if, you know, I focused on doing that instead of my job and then I could leave my job. And, um, 
I remember thinking to myself, and then it would be really great if when I got to the point where my Tantra um, uh, career was, uh, uh, you know, starting to make almost as much as I was making in my technology job, it would be great if they let me go and gave me a fat severance. And then, <laughs> and then a week later, I thought, no, you know what? New goal. New goal is that the Tantra work so far eclipses, uh, you know, financially what, what my tech job is that I, that it's worth my while to voluntarily leave my tech job because mm -hmm. the Tantra thing is just exploding. Um, but apparently the universe had already set in motion the first plan. Uh, yeah. Um, first order so was in. When I got laid off, I was like, well, you know, I'm not really able to support myself totally with Tantra yet. Um, but let me try. And then of course I had all that time. And during that time, um, we created the Tantra Institute. Um, we created Tantra Night, which was, I think, our first Tantra Institute event. And then uh, uh, really was when I, when I created Tantra Speed Date and, um, and had the first one in New York. Uh, and I saw the reaction to it. That's when I was like, whoa, I'm onto something here. And then mm -hmm. I just started launching myself into Tantra Speed Date. And uh, now it's led to eight different classes that we offer in so mm -hmm. many cities. I mean, it's... What's it like running a business with your partner, with your romantic partner? Um, well, I mean, I don't know that, I don't know that I would really even classify Lauren and I as romantic partners. I mean, we okay. still, you know, our relationship, it has evolved through so many different forms. Yeah. I don't know what form it's in now. I mean, she, like you guys were boyfriend and girlfriend at one point. Right? We were boyfriend and girlfriend. We were primary partners at one point. We lived together. Uh, you were, you knew us when we lived together. We don't live together anymore. We're not primary partners anymore. Um, we are business partners. We are friends. We are sometimes lovers. I never really know if we're lovers or not. Um, there have been times where we've been teachers and not lovers. We've been teachers and not friends, which is a really interesting way to teach a class. Um, but no matter what, like we're always transparent with the students. Like I remember that we had one class where we were not talking to each other, but we, we had, we had a class to teach. And, and I was like, just so you guys know, we're fighting. So this might be a total disaster, but we'll give it our best shot. And that actually ended up being one of the best classes because they so appreciated how transparent and open we were about mm -hmm. what was going on in our dynamic in that moment. Mm -hmm. um, and it ended up being one of our most impactful classes. And then after the class ended, we made friends. <laughs> how much uh, did your personal life seep into uh, stories or examples or lessons? Always. I mean, we, we draw from our personal experience to like, if we're talking about a particular point, we'll demonstrate an experience that we've had in our, in our life. Um, Cause you know, you, you, you knew us when we were living in a, in a house together. Uh, I'm getting huge deja vu right now. Like this Are has you? been, yeah, I feel like I asked that question to you before in another permutation of reality. I don't know. You might have, you might have. <laughs> well, we have a lot of experience, Lauren and I, both individually mm -hmm. and together. And then in all the, everything that we've studied together since we met, um, yeah going on six years now yeah i didn't want to get too much into it but you did mention me too and i know at one point there was kind of like a me too related attack on tantra teachers i know some people went down do you have any do you have any thoughts on it maybe not the specifics but like the whole thing i, I assume it's died down by now right I don't know. I mean, I feel like for me, like I, I feel felt pretty isolated with that. I didn't feel like mm -hmm. any of that was directed towards me. Um, I uh, like the way that I see it is if you look around the world, like the feminine right now is erupting, mm -hmm. right? That's the only way I can think about it is like a volcano erupting, uh, you know, like, like happened in Hawaii. 
um, like we're seeing with all of these, you know, storms and natural disasters that are occurring. Um, you know, there really is a big uh, imbalance in the world. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think, uh, I think that's kind of like a big part of it is just uh, eruption. You know, it doesn't mm -hmm. really, really matter what the target of the eruption is sometimes because it just mm -hmm. needs to come out. Mm -hmm. so that's kind of where I, what, what I seem to perceive. Fair enough. Yeah, I guess that uh, does. Uh, I mean, I assume consent gets discussed in the tantra classes mm -hmm. to some degree. Yeah, we talk all about consent, like own your uh -huh. own experience. We even do exercises uh, dealing with consent, mm -hmm. um, because our our the fundamental thing that we focus on 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 like if you come to our classes, one of the main things you'll hear us talk about is desire. Like you have to be connected to your own desire, and um, if I'm not connected to my own desire, meaning I don't know what I want, then technically I can't give consent or I can't give an informed consent. If I don't know if I want to have sex with this woman or I don't, then I can't give consent because I don't know. Um, so, or I can't give what's called an informed consent, which is more of a medical term, right? Where you're going in for a procedure and they're like, well, we know that you're not a doctor. So let us explain to you, what is this procedure? What are the risks of the procedure? What are the benefits? so that you can understand all that, so then you can make what's called an informed decision. So I think that most people are very, very disconnected from their desire because our, our uh, culture doesn't value being connected to your desire. And mm -hmm. so we get disconnected from it and more disconnected and more disconnected, the more disconnected you get, eventually you can't even feel your desire at all. Yeah. And so if you can't give, feel your desire, you know, how, can you, how can you actually give informed consent? Right. So we take anything is gonna be wrong. Yeah. So we take a very uh, detailed look at consent. You know, let's say you ask me if I want chocolate ice cream and I don't know. And I say yes. And I eat the chocolate ice cream. And then I discover later that, you know what, really, I wanted vanilla or I wanted Rocky roll or I just wanted hot tea. I didn't want ice cream at all. It's like I can't get mad at you because you gave me the chocolate ice cream because you asked me if I wanted chocolate ice cream. And I said yes, but I can get mad at me because I wasn't connected to my desire and I didn't know. Mm -hmm. So it's like I would never be mad at you for giving me the chocolate ice cream that I said yes to, I, I want to understand why didn't I know that that's actually what I wanted in that moment. Mm -hmm. So for us, consent has to come with an understanding of desire. Like, what do I actually want in this moment? Mm -hmm. So we talk all about that in our classes and we do exercises to help people get connected to their desire. And then we draw that distinction between desire and consent. Have you seen a, because you've been doing this two years now, right? with the classes, uh, have you noticed any sorts of shifts in like the basic understandings of the people that come in? Like, are they more educated about this stuff? I mean, I know, I know it's only two years, but I'm wondering, cause like so much has shifted culturally around these types of topics. Like are people different? I don't know that people are different so much. Um, I know, I mean, I, I mentioned this, that, you know, the men were really apprehensive right when the Me Too mm -hmm. happened. And, and there's still some of that there. We've made adjustments around the exercises and, um, you know, consent in the ceremony is a bigger deal now because of that. Mm -hmm. um, so that seems to have, um, like, uh, addressed that. And so we don't, we don't really have that hesitancy anymore um, in the part of people wanting to connect with each other. So I wouldn't say I've seen really a difference in people. In terms of the people coming in, no, I wouldn't say that. Okay, cool. 
Yeah, where's the next event? The well, so this weekend is a big one. There's a there's actually five or six events. I know there's one in Chicago. There's one happening in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole. You bunch said of- you're in 17 cities. We have uh, 25 cities. Yeah. Sweet. Awesome. Uh, cool. Where can people find out more? Oh, if they want to so jump in. The on website for the Tantra Institute is tantranny.com. T a n t r a n y.com. And then you'll find all of our classes there. And Tantra Speed Date is also at the top. Um, so if you go to the Tantra Speed Date uh, site, um, you just choose your city and it'll show you the, uh, the events that are available there. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, now that I remember, I've been, it's an awesome event. I, I recommend it. Uh, yeah, over, yeah, it was great. And um, yeah, is there anything else you want to share uh, with the listeners? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, you know, Tantra Speed Day is primarily an event for singles, and we do have other events for couples, but now we're doing sort of like the sequel to Tantra Speed Day, which is for couples. Because a lot of people that have come to Tantra Speed Day, it's like, well, now that I've done this and I've matched with some people, like what's like a second event I can go to with my matches? And so we're creating this sort of couples uh, date night um, event uh, that's not just going to be for people that attended Tantra Speed Day, but it's going to give couples a way to reignite the spark in their relationship or give people that are starting a new relationship a way to start it off on the right footing. So that Sweet. one I'm really excited about. We're doing the first one in New York at the end of October. So nice. Um, it's not out there. You can't get tickets for it yet, but in, in the coming weeks, I think we'll have that one ready. And, and that one's really exciting too, because it'll be our first sort of like spin-off of Tantra Speed Day for couples. Sweet. That was exciting, man. Yeah, it was great catching up. I'm bummed I'm going to miss you in New York. I think you're flying out the day I fly in. Uh, when do you fly in? Uh, the 28th. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, the other thing I want to say is come to, to Tantra Speed Date. See how it's changed and evolved. Yeah, yeah. Is there is there one that week? Um, well, I'll look it up. Yeah, <laughs> I can use for, the internet. <laughs> yeah, once or twice a month in New York. New York's a pretty popular mm-hmm. city. Yeah. Sweet, really man. great to uh, to be here, man. Thanks for chatting with me. Good to catch up with you, and and I hope to connect with you somewhere around the globe when we're both traveling. Yeah, for sure, man. Awesome. Thanks. Take care, everyone. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to catch the rest of my work, go to Rwando.com. Catch me on social media, at Rwando. And please do not forget to subscribe.